Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. Today's podcast is sponsored by Catapult Learning. For 45 years, Catapult Learning has partnered with Catholic schools and dioceses to provide high-quality supplemental instruction, specialized services, and customized professional development. Today, they work with more than 2,000 Catholic schools across the country to support their academic mission of providing every child with an excellent education. Visit their website today at catapultlearning.com or call 800-841-8730 for more information. My guest on the podcast today is Dr. Raynell Houston, the Executive Director of Faith Formation and Superintendent of Catholic Schools in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, this year's Convention City. Dr. Houston, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Good. Can you please share a little bit about yourself with the listeners, your background, and what, what led you to this point in your life and career? So I started out as uh, an elementary school teacher. I taught first grade, uh, so taught middle school, grades six, seven, and eight uh, as a reading specialist. So I was a reading teacher for middle school students. Um, In my job as a reading specialist, I also worked with at-risk kids um, who were struggling in reading, helping to uh, provide intervention services and support to them as well. Uh, In 2012, after leaving higher education, I joined the then Office of Catholic Schools here in New Orleans, uh, serving as an associate superintendent. And in 2017, I I was appointed superintendent of Catholic schools. Um, I have degrees in curriculum and instruction. Um, It's interesting. I never had an aspiration to be a leader. I literally wanted to teach and to work with teacher candidates and teachers and principals with regards to curriculum and instruction, but God had other plans for me and um, being open to the call and listening to the Holy Spirit led me into the role that I'm currently in today. That is such a common sentiment among Catholic school leaders. This is not what I set out to do, but I answered the call. Well, we're so grateful that you did. Um, In your role, in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, you you have a little bit more complex role than the traditional superintendent. So talk about what it means to be the executive director of faith formation and the superintendent of Catholic schools, and how do you balance all your duties and responsibilities in that role? Well, first of all, I don't know if there's any such thing as balance, right? Um, we do our best to um, handle what comes our way, but I am extremely blessed here in New Orleans um, We, a few years ago, um, the Archbishop restructured and what used to be the Office of Catholic Schools and the Office of Religious Education, um, the the two offices were united in this brilliant um, union to form the Department of Catholic Education and Faith Formation. And for us, it it provides us with an, an, an awesome opportunity to recreate and to enhance our ministry efforts in our parishes with regards to faith formation and in our school communities as well. So um, as a director of um, Catholic education, executive director of faith formation and the superintendent of schools in Catholic education, um, I do wear two hats. Um, What we do here, I'm blessed with a team of people who I am so appreciative for. Um, I have a deputy, deputy superintendent for Catholic schools, and I have um, a deputy director for faith formation. 
And those two people really helped me lead in our schools and in our parishes. And then outside of that, my team here of associate superintendents um, and my um, academic excellence team, as well as the people who do the work on the ground every day in our parishes and schools with regards to faith formation and Catholic education. So balance, I'm not sure how well I do that, (laughs) but um, I do have all of those responsibilities. And again, I'm blessed to have a great team to support me. Absolutely. It sounds like you have a robust, trusted leadership team with you. So that definitely helps. So you've been in the Archdiocese of New Orleans since um, 2012, right? So you must have seen over the years a lot of changes. You talked a little bit about about the, the union of the two departments. But what else? Anything else like throughout the schools, anything exciting that you can recall um, in your time there, your decade with, with the schools, significant growth, good changes that have occurred. What are some of the highlights through your experience? In 2008, um, our governor at that time um, started a school choice program, which now people refer to as a voucher program. In 2008, it started in Orleans Parish um, only, and then it was expanded statewide um, in 2012. So as I was coming into this office, um, the statewide expansion of the, the scholarship program started, and we had a number of schools who opened their doors and embraced um, the voucher program, which in Louisiana, the state scholarship program um takes students out of failing public schools and puts them into parentally placed Catholic schools or non-public schools. Um, the, the criteria is that you're coming from a failing public school, that you meet the income requirements, so primarily low-income families, that you're a Louisiana resident, et cetera. Um, that was really exciting because that school choice program gives an opportunity to families who would not otherwise be able to afford a Catholic education for their children. And that is a beautiful gift that we can give to our community. Gives us the opportunity to evangelize and catechize, but also to change the trajectory of students' lives by giving them a rigorous academic preparation and foundation, as well as spiritual direction and faith formation. So that has been um, exciting and wonderful to be a part of. Another thing that we have done in the Archdiocese of New Orleans is expanded our abilities and strengthen our abilities to accommodate exceptional learners. Um, We have always in our school for over 50 years um, had the presence of St. Michael's Special School, which um, is a school for children with um, developmental uh, and cognitive disabilities. But we have expanded that to include a new school community, St. Therese Academy. They're in their third year of operation. Uh, And we've also been able to create inclusion programs at both the elementary and secondary levels. And so this has been phenomenal for me, uh, both personally and professionally. I have um, a background in working with students who have special needs. My very first classroom of first graders, I taught hearing impaired students. Um, So that was really special. And then I have a 14-year-old daughter who has Down syndrome, which makes it extremely personal um, that we're able to embrace all of God's children. So you hit on two things there that are also very amazing um, and, and personal to me as well. But first of all, another great success story for school choice. So glad to hear that and that it's alive and well in, in Louisiana. 
and exceptional learners. Yeah, I've, I've been looking at a couple of your schools down there, but it's it's really great to hear. And I, man, we'll we'll continue this conversation. This is a whole other podcast, I think. But um, inclusionary programs, as well as schools for um, exceptional children, for children that have developmental disabilities or cognitive disabilities. Um, th these are two different approaches, and um, really interesting to, to hear that that's happening. So um, congratulations on all of that good work. So let's switch back to talking about you as a leader. What would you say, a lot of leaders are listening to the podcast and and they would love to hear from a seasoned leader some, uh, some advice. What is the most significant quality or trait or even perhaps a habit that you possess that helps you to lead effectively and try to strike that balance? This is a really hard question. Um, so if if I had to answer the question myself, I would say probably my reliance on the Holy Spirit. Um, there are um, so many challenges that we face and there uh, the, the the gravity of the work that we do as school leaders, as um, superintendents, as directors of faith formation, there's a, a certain heaviness, right? There's a certain uh, gravity that comes with that responsibility. And I don't take any of that lightly at all. I think that um, turning to the Holy Spirit, asking God for his wisdom and guidance to order my steps so that I'm always considering um, what his will is and discerning what my role is in in this particular decision or situation, et cetera. Um, that would be the, the, the one habit or quality that I think helps me to lead effectively. I have to confess, this was a hard question. I had to go and ask some of my colleagues in my office, um, what do you think <laughs> is one of my most significant qualities, traits or habits? And you know, what came back is, you know, the fact that I'm authentic and that I try to be authentic. I'm not good at putting on airs or being fake or putting up facades. Um, I try to be authentic and in, in, with everyone and in everything that I do. And the other piece of that is I try to listen, um, to listen to those who I'm engaging with, to listen to our stakeholders, to hear what they are saying. And um, one of my colleagues in the office said, but you also bring a sense of calmness. But I believe that calmness comes from my reliance on the Holy Spirit. So that would be, I guess, my trait. I can't take the credit for any of it. It is truly God. Spoken like a true minister in Catholic education, seriously. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and the more reliance that we can put in our faith, the more calmness it's going to bring to our day because our days are, are filled with chaos. So, um, so the more we can rely on the Holy Spirit or guidance, I, you know, I, I use um, adoration as my, my center. So I, I'm with you there. It makes all the difference. So you, you um, are a traditional educator. You said you were a reading specialist and you taught um, middle school. I love people who taught middle school. It's such an experience, isn't it? It is an experience. <laughs> my first day teaching middle school, I went home to my mom and I cried. And I'm like, mama, they're taller than I am. It was hilarious. Hilarious. 
hilarious. But I love my oh, middle school years. I loved it. I do too. I do too. And I, I would, that's what I would go back to if I went into the classroom. I love that age. So uh, talk a little bit about how not just your professional experience, but even your life experience has prepared you for your role as superintendent and executive director. Yeah. So um, like I said in the very beginning, I did not have an aspiration to be a superintendent or even a school leader um, outside of leading curriculum and instruction initiatives in in the classroom or at an an institution. Um, So I I was called into this and um, tried to do things to prepare myself as much as I could. Um, Hence the business degree, the degree in um, edu- in organizational leadership um, and finance, um, that was not something that I ever thought I would do, but realized as I was coming into this position that um, school, running school systems, it, there is a business and an organizational piece that I needed better preparation and better education and to support the work that I would be doing. Um, in addition to that, I think what's prepared me the most is my vocation as a, a mother and my vocation as a wife. Um, I have my husband and I have been married for 26 years. We have three beautiful girls. Um, we have a 32 year old, a 30 year old and a 14 year old. Um, my 32 and 30 year old, they're adopted. Uh, and so we um, they were juniors and seniors in high school when I found out that I was expecting my now 14-year-old um, diva. And um, it was it was through that lens of being a mother, I think that has uh, prepared me most for being superintendent and executive director of faith formation. As a parent, um, your child's um, formation in faith is you know, right up at the very top of the importance list, as well as providing for their, their health and safety and well-being and their education. And so having that experience as a mother, knowing what I would want for my children and the challenges that I faced, even with my exceptional learner, um, those are the experiences that I feel have prepared me most. One, to be, um, to be flexible, to be adaptable, to listen to people, to listen to their concerns, again, to be authentic, those, those traits that we talked about. And then the reliance on my faith, um, being a mother, you, you have to rely on your faith, right? Um, because you're trusting God with your children um, and he's trusting you to care for them as his kids. So um, I think that those are the things that have prepared me most for, for this position. And um, I tell people that being in this leadership position has definitely increased my faith and brought me closer to God because every day I'm on my knees at some point um, asking God for guidance, for courage, for um, wisdom, all of those things that we need as leaders in this school community. Yeah, leadership takes courage. And so, you know, thank you for taking that on. I always say that to to all of our, our school and system leaders. Thank you for taking it on. But what a what a great perspective though, the authenticity of of being a parent, the flexibility that you that you then have to have, that you carry into your leadership role, the compassion that you have to have and the perspective that it gives you. That's that's a great answer to that question. Um, so another hat that you wear is you are an NCEA member of the board of directors. So, and I know that you're relatively new to that role, but I, I would love for you to speak a little bit to why you are a supporter 
of the NCEA? And what has this organization done for you as the Catholic educator and leader throughout the years that has now brought you um, to become a board member too? So interesting. I joined NCEA as um, a member of the higher education com community, that uh, the Catholic higher education community. I started it at um, the University of Holy Cross here in New Orleans in the teacher education department. Um, and that was my introduction to NCEA. And at that point, um, what NCEA meant for me was um, it put me in contact with a network of individuals who were like-minded, who were uh, immersed in the mission of the Catholic Church and teaching and educating and forming future educators to be in our, our school systems. Um, the relationships that I was able to build and the support from colleagues from across the country, um, that was so valuable to me as um, a member of the higher ed community, the Catholic higher ed community in, in particular. Um, one of the things that I have benefited, benefited most from outside of building relationships, even in my role now as Executive Director of Faith Formation and Superintendent of Schools, are the opportunities that we, we have to, um, to learn from one another, um, to gain professional knowledge and participate in superintendent professional development. That is probably the most beneficial professional development that I've ever participated in as an educator, hands down. Um, so well done, well organized, um, the information shared, uh, the, the resources given, um, really helped me as a new superintendent to, to get my get get grounded and to get focused and to to understand really what my role is and how to how to carry it out. Um, that has been extremely extremely beneficial. The other piece for me has been also the opportunities for faith formation um, that NCA provides. Um, so those are are probably the the three key things that NCEA has done for me as a Catholic school leader. That's great. Thank you for sharing all of that. So let's shift gears one more time here because this year um, we are going to be hosting the NCEA convention in person, but also as a virtual experience. So we know that last year the convention um, landed online like many professional development opportunities did last year due to the pandemic. But this year we are going to be in person in New Orleans. And um, I would really love for you to talk a little bit about um, you know, what we can expect. What are you looking forward to as, uh, as we converge on your city? And what do you hope that our guests from throughout the country will be able to enjoy in your beautiful city? I am so excited, so excited to uh, welcome everyone to our beautiful city. Um, New Orleans is a unique place. Um, I know a lot of people say that about their cities and every place is unique, but New Orleans is, it's got to be extraordinarily extra special. Um, <laughs> you know, the culture, the, the, the community, the diversity that exists here across the board um, is absolutely amazing. And um, we are so excited to welcome everyone. First, I wanna say that I am looking forward to being with my colleagues again in person. Um, every event over the last two years that we were supposed to have uh, in person has been 
changed to virtual or rescheduled and we miss seeing one another. We miss being with one another. We miss that camaraderie and having those opportunities to to, to just share experiences and to be, be together and enjoy one another's company. Um, being superintendent is not, it, it's a lonely job, right? Um, and so yeah. having colleagues that share the same level of responsibility that you can um, lean to and, um, and work with and get insight from, that is something that is extremely valuable and doing it in person is even more more important now than it has ever been. So I am just excited that we are all gathering together. Um, I am so excited for everyone to come to New Orleans and to experience our city. You know, New Orleans has such a rich, um, rich and deep history when it comes to Catholicism. We've we have been a Catholic city since our formation over 300 years ago. We are home to the first continuously operating uh, Catholic school with Ursuline Academy. The Sisters of St. Ursula, you know, started Catholic education in this country, in this city. And for that, we are extremely grateful. And that that tradition continues not just today, with Ursuline Academy, but also with all the Catholic schools in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Um, and I think it's important to know that the sisters started Catholic education, not just with the elite in the community, but they also educated the poor, they educated people of color. And again, those traditions and, and those um, things still continue today in our community. Um, another unique thing about New Orleans is that we have a Catholic culture um, New Orleans is one of the few places in the world that I know there are non-Catholic churches named after saints. That's a little different than um, in most places. In the city of New Orleans, we celebrate Catholic um, holidays uh, across cultures and across religions. You know, we have, everybody knows we celebrate Mardi Gras. It's a season. And then we have our big Mardi Gras Day celebration. But at midnight on Ash Wednesday, the city completely shuts down in preparation for Ash Wednesday for that time of repentance and the beginning of the Lenten season. Um, restaurants across the city serve Lenten specials on Fridays because we can't eat meat. We all have seafood. Um, There's so many things that are unique um, about the city and about the culture in New Orleans, but we are um, traditionally and authentically Catholic here, and I'm excited to share that with everyone. Um, in addition to all the fun stuff that we have, um, the tourist attractions, um, the cultural celebrations like Mardi Gras, as well as the, the fun things like swamp tours and everything else under the sun. So I'm just excited about having everyone come to our city and to experience the food uh, and everything that we offer here in New Orleans. I think it's a great place for people to um, to dip their toe in. If, if you've been um, cooped up and haven't come out for in-person professional development in a while, this might be the one. This might be the place to draw you out for sure. Because, I mean, you, you just sold it. You just sold it, Dr. Houston. Now everybody wants to come, right? <laughs> Some people say it's a great place to visit. I believe it's a great place to visit, but it's also a great place to live. Our community is so resilient. Our community is so... Um, so faith-filled and, and that is a gift and it's a blessing. I'm so grateful to be a part of this community and to be in the position of leadership. 
Well, it will be a blessing to be there. So thank you so much for being our host superintendent, our, our host um, archdiocese and city. We're really looking forward to it as well. So Dr. Houston, I want to thank you for your time. Obviously, you are you're a very busy person, and I'm so grateful that you took some time with us today to talk about your experiences in education and also to talk about um, the upcoming convention and our excitement around that. So thanks so much. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I just want everyone to know that we are all ready to welcome you to New Orleans and to give you a little taste of our culture and a little taste of our city and all that we have to offer with some professional learning mixed in too. So we, we'll welcome everyone. Thank you so much. I, I want to thank my guest one more time, Dr. Raynell Houston, for joining me today and our sponsor, Catapult Learning. Thank you again to our listeners for joining us for another NCEA podcast and look for us again when the next podcast drops. They drop every Thursday. We'll see you then. Thank you.